Welcome to the Inside View. I'm Ralph Renzulli, your host for a series of conversations that will highlight news, events, and people of interest in Little Falls and beyond. I'm starting off with an inside view of city government with newly elected Mayor Deborah Kaufman. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're a busy lady. <laughs> Lately, yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Let me briefly take you back to election night. When you found out that you were elected, what was the first thought you had? You know, it was so funny. Um, it, it was almost surreal. I was living somebody else's life, right? I, I was excited, but uh, I didn't know what that meant, right? <laughs> After you work so hard for something and how that would uh, change my life, change a lot of different things. But um, yeah, I was incredibly excited and, and really uh, more for the fact that we had worked so hard on the campaign that all that hard work really turned the tables in a direction that no one would have guessed. Um, you know, most people said, you don't have a chance. You know, you're the, the wrong party. You're a female. You're this or that, you know. Um, but we really uh, changed minds. And uh, I was so excited to look around the room that night, too, and see so many people from different walks of life, different politics, uh, all there just rooting and going crazy. Uh, the room was just screaming uh, with joy and excitement. So it, it was really, I don't think it really dawned on me what just happened until the next day when I started getting calls about 5.30 in the morning. Right, <laughs> right. So first female elected to the position. What does that mean to you? You know, it's interesting. I never thought of, when I was running, I never really thought of myself as running because I'm a female or that that would be some great advantage. I just assumed, yeah, I'm just like anyone else, you know. Uh, I work hard, my background, and, uh, you know, things that I think about and all, I'm just like anyone else. So that distinction for me, um, it seems dated in a way, you know, because we went through all of that, what, in the 70s, the 80s. Uh, but I, it is relevant to our neck of the woods, right? Uh, where having a woman, a female, in the role, I think is important because that's one of the less uh, the last stepping stones into uh, the modern life, right? That we look at people based on their skills and their knowledge and what they can do for the community, uh, rather than gender or uh, even politics, really. I'm sure you'll set a good example for some young ladies in this town. <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. I actually have nieces that are <clears throat> my fan club. And they intend to be mayors one of these days, and uh, they are cute as can be. And so they wanted their picture on my desk, uh, and I have one done so far. Uh, but they couldn't be better fans. They have all of my memorabilia, all of my signage and everything. And so uh, on the good side of being the first female mayor, uh, if I can inspire women to look and, and girls to uh, open their eyes to any possibility, Whatever they think that they would like to do, try it. Go for it. Uh, don't let anyone tell you differently. Just keep moving forward. That's a good message. So let me use an analogy. You are now the CEO of Little Falls, New York. Mm -hmm. You've got people reporting to you, departments to oversee, budgets to develop and maintain, and 
finances to control and maintain and monitor and all the other things that go along with successfully running a business, right. which in, in essence, that's what Little Falls government is. Mm-hmm. How do, would you describe your management style in, the, in your approach to all of this? I lean into revenue in a big way uh, and um, finan- the financial conditions, always monitoring uh, that. It's from my corporate background. I've been CEO before. I've been president, COO before. I've managed uh, 120 people in a couple of different companies. I've worked public and private companies, turnarounds, startups. So for me, it's always about watching the dollars coming in. Where are the dollars and do we have them? And if we don't, there's a constant search for what do we do next uh, to keep things moving forward. I don't micromanage, but I do um, like being kept in the loop. So I think my management style is uh, once I communicate something, you've got the ball. I expect feedback. If you can't make a deadline, I expect feedback as to why. You know. So I trust people. We have um, a really good team um, that I'm working with. You know, the very first thing you do as a mayor is you look around and you say, okay, uh, here's my plan. Here's how I'm going to execute it. Do I have the people? to be able to execute it. And after, I'd say the first two weeks, I had a real sense of, okay, they are the right people. We've got the right people. Uh, It's a matter of changing hearts and minds to a certain extent uh, and getting them to believe that Little Falls can be great again and greater than what we've ever done in in our history, to just think about it differently. And we're going to do it on my watch. We are going to make the change. And um, every single one of the departments have been incredible to work with. Uh, Once we got all on the same page, we started looking at what we could do, Uh, you know, codes and uh, police in the police department. I I work closely with them every single day. Fire department, EMS, all of all of the different departments, DPW. Uh, So I trust the management uh, and the department heads. And so, uh, you know, we have a a really tight dialogue going, especially on some of the things we're trying to move forward very quickly here in the beginning. You've never worked in government previously, yeah. I don't think. So no. when you took office, how did you go about getting acclimated to the various moving parts that we have at well, City Hall? There's a lot of regulatory, as you might imagine. So there's like five steps to something I could do in a private company in one step. Uh, so that <clears throat> that's a little um, cumbersome, I would say. Uh, and there's some things you can do to streamline that just haven't been done before, but looking at it with a different set of eyes from a corporate mindset, you see, okay, we, we need this desperately, but we don't need that. And so the idea that we've done it this way for 100 years, well, that's wonderful, but there may be another way, and let me show you how. So I'm, I'm changing things to streamline a lot uh, to make it a little bit more efficient, I'm more data-driven than what they've ever been, so I like facts and figures. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I think that probably the most challenging part of it is the, the regulatory environment where you're working with civil service, you're working with the unions, you've got an extra layer in there that in, in, in some of the private companies you might not have. Um, you always have a board of directors, so you're always reporting to a board, right? And you always have... Um, depending on what you're doing, even we were involved in software development. Uh, so we had a lot of regulations that we were adhering to. Um, so somewhat familiar, 
uh, the everyday running uh, a company of 80 employees is very familiar to me. Uh, it's natural. I'm in my comfort zone. Um, the politics of it all uh, is something, you, you know, you kind of have to get accustomed to because I'm not um, as politically driven as you might think. Uh, I, I really uh, took the job and, and campaigned hard for it to solve problems. And that's what I'm doing every single day. Cool. If you had to pick three upper level issues or problems that need your undivided attention over the next, say, 90 to 180 days, what would they be and what would you do about each one of them? Well, if, if you're, you're asking about the top, the top picks here, uh, we have some that are really in our face right now. The homeless problem, uh, trespassing squatters. Um, we have, uh, you know, uh, different kinds of people coming through, transient people coming through um, that uh, oftentimes are uh, heavily medicated. They are, uh, you know, some are mentally ill. Uh, some are a little bit dangerous, you know. So there, there are, are a lot of things that we're dealing with in Little Falls that we've never had to deal with before. So those public safety for me is front and center. Um, the next thing I'm working with is cleaning up our town. You know, uh, we've got houses that are zombie houses and houses in distress. We have a hundred of them. Uh, you know, cleaning up those properties or doing something with them. That's a hundred properties off the tax rolls that, uh, you know, aren't, aren't doing anyone any good. Some of them have been abandoned for years and uh, others you can't find the ownership. It's just, you know, who knows? Uh, and so they go into this kind of limbo. We have uh, quite a few of them actually that are distressed, but not, you know, total teardowns. And so I'm working on that to see if we might be able to get them Back in, we, we could use housing stock. There's no, no doubt about it. Single-family homes, uh, we just can't, we don't have enough. And so if I can convert those working with qualified uh, builders or people who can renovate, um, that would be something that would be very powerful. Not only would we be able to create some environments for uh, you know people to come in affordably into a new home, we're also cleaning up neighborhoods and we're putting them back on the tax rolls, which we really need. How many of those homes do you think are uh, the county literally owns right now as opposed to the homeowner? The homeowner foreclosed, went to, to, to the county for back taxes. Do you have a handle on that? Oh, gosh. I would think, it. Uh, my guess would be about 80% are with the county. Um what happens is if they don't pay their taxes and the water bill and whatnot in Two Little Falls, it gets turned to the county to collect, and the county collects them. And after a number of years, they just, you know, what are you going to do? It's not collectible. Well, you talked about revenue. That, that affects our revenue, obviously. It does. You have fewer taxes being collected. Uh, I would think with mortgage rates the way they are and how difficult it is for some young people to get into a new home. I think your idea is good. If you could find a few of these and get them rehabilitated so they could yeah. bid on them. Yeah, they're, um, you know, there are the land bank and, and then a, a new land bank coming uh, about from Herkimer County. Uh, so they're great at finding funding to tear down or to rehab. 
I see the opportunity for us right now in the immediate future to look at individuals who can um, convert these or people who, gosh, if, if I could find tradesmen, you know, Little Falls is really lacking in the trades. We need more people. We need plumbers, electricians. And if I could find people like that, I would love to set up a program <clears throat> to be able to get people who are hardworking people, but just starting out in life, young family. These old houses are huge. There's plenty of room, but it will take some sweat equity to turn them around. And uh, so uh, we do have some programs already that we that have been implemented over the years. Um, I'd like to tighten them up a little bit, <clears throat> but uh, I'm really looking for uh, that mark, as you say, trying to get uh, a young family into home equity, to start building their equity and to be able to move things along. One of the programs that I've been uh, working with is one where they have to stay in the property. They have to uh, build it. They have to have some sweat equity into it, kind of like hab Habitat for Humanity, as you know, where you actually are in there and you're working, you're doing things, but you also have to meet certain code criteria uh, and guidelines in order to be able to do that. But you are able to get in. It's your home for five years. You keep it up and, and all. You can sell it at that point, but you have to stay in it for five years at least. And it has to adhere to all codes uh, from the moment you get in to the moment you leave. So we're, we're really going to be sticklers on codes uh, going forward. So you've named two issues, homeless, population, and the zombie properties. What would be the third one? The, uh, and you can do five if you like. It's, it's okay. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> uh, the financial condition of the city is really important to me. Um, we have been doing without and scraping the bottom of the barrel for a long time. I mean, it's to the point we don't even know what it would be like to have money to spend on the things we desperately need. You know, um, I'm going after every grant I can find to help to uh, offset some of the expenses that we would typically have. Um, very pro-grant, and a lot of what uh, Chet Szymanski, uh, our engineer, has been working on are grants. And uh, it makes a huge difference to be able to pay for some of the infrastructure things even that we have to deal with. Um, but equipment, you know, uh, ambulances, fire trucks, police cars, all of that, um, really working the grants. Uh, the other thing I am working is shared services. Um, shared services, meaning we have, uh, as a city, the organizational structure and the capacity to grow very quickly, to ramp up, to be able to help other communities uh, with some of the service needs that they have. We have a relationship now with Dowlesville, uh, and we work with them on uh, engineering services. Uh, we work with other communities on uh, police and fire. Uh, so we have already existing relationships. I'm looking at advancing more of those and also looking at contracts that we had years ago that just, you know, went by the wayside and no one ever picked them up again. So revenue again, uh, constantly looking at revenue. We can't cut our way out of our situation. We have to grow revenue. We have to jump forward and be able to do that. We're pretty much, you look at everything, and there's no squandering of money going on <laughs> that I can find. Everything is really, really tight. Um, but there hasn't been a business person in the chair for a very long time, um, if ever. I don't know. Uh, so I look at things very differently. It's black and white. 
you know, we either have the money or we don't have the money. And so my job is to make sure we have the money to go forward and build. All right, so we have a revenue problem as opposed to a, uh, an expense or services problem. So here's a sure. subject that's been kicked around for quite a long time in Little Falls, and that's property reevaluation, mm-hmm. which obviously affects revenue. It and does. Which could affect it in a number of ways, actually. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's the, the magic question that no mayor wants to ever discuss, right? Uh, uh, but you That's why I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to be honest with reality, right? And you look at it and you say, okay, we haven't evaluated or reevaluated since 1972. Is our uh, assessed value out of whack? More than likely it is. <clears throat> most people, most uh, cities assess every other year bring that up to market value. We haven't. So for instance, if we had a house that in 1972 was valued at $50,000 and today it's valued at 300,000, there's a big gap there. So when someone new moves into town, of course, they're looking at market value for the property, whatever it's listed at, that's what their taxes will be. So it's the people who've been in their existing houses for a long time. That is the, the sticky part, right? I don't intend to do anything until I have a really good look at the data. I don't know what that data shows. I do know that there are quite a few properties that are miscategorized. And that would be my first attempt to uh, start looking at what could we do there. And when I say miscategorized, that's a, a warehouse that uh, is built up uh, and is you know, assessed as an empty warehouse that now is four floors of lots of it retail, different things going on. You have others who have taken a shack and built it into, you know, a you know, multi-million dollar uh, entity. So you, you have to look at how things are categorized. Are they categorized correctly? Uh, the other thing is when you look at residential, a lot of our single-family residential properties are assessed as single, were assessed as single-family and never changed over. And now they're an aplex, and they're commercial property, right? Um, so we've got a lot of things that we could look at, just the low-hanging fruit, just look and see how things are categorized and is it fair. Because so whose responsibility would that be to take that first step and recategorize and review? That would be, you know, we would do it at the city. You know, it would be hiring a consultant to look through all of that data and pull it. And there are consultants that just do that um, as a whole. Any idea what a study like that would cost? They tell me 175000 So they have looked in it, at it in the past. No mayor has been willing to really do much with it uh, and for political reasons. Um, but I, I didn't get in here for political reasons. I got in here to solve problems. And um, I do not want to raise taxes on grandma and grandpa who are barely making a go of it. Um, I will do everything in my power to not do that. <clears throat> but on the other hand, I have to look at people uh, that are not paying their fair share. So, the, you know, there are people, it's really out of balance, you know, when you have someone who is struggling to make their payment every month and then someone else who has taken advantage of the system and should be paying their fair share. And if you think about it in terms of if everybody is pay, paying in at an equal amount and, and which is their fair share, 
your bucket is pretty full. You might even have the opportunity to reduce the percentage of tax because you're now getting people who weren't paying but 25% or 10% because they were miscategorized. They're paying their fair share. So um, that's my approach to it, my my thoughts on it. Um, It is one of those things I will not make a move until I really understand what's going on and what we can do. And it will be the least painful thing for the community as a whole. And I will get expert opinion and uh, bring people in before making a move like that. So you're going to let the data drive that decision? The data is going to drive it. Um, Even a baby step. Uh, You know, I don't think you have to go through something like this and make a huge leap forward. If we could move everybody up to, you know, 10% more, and then 10 years from now, we'll move them up a little bit more. This doesn't have to be done all overnight, but we have to start working in a direction that will help the community. And we have a limited number of taxpayers, you know, and our population continues to decline. We need to build a population up. The more people paying in, the the easier it is on everybody. And um, we just, we need to build population. Well, the right s- kind of pop- population, of course, yeah. meaning those who buy right. homes and contribute. And, and as it's been said, some people will pay more, some people will pay less, right. some people will may stay the same. Right. So doing the report, taking that first step is probably absolutely critical. Yeah, it is. And again, it's just, it's one of those things I'm very, very cautious about. Uh, and I want to understand the data better. And I haven't had a look at the data, so I can't really make a judgment uh, at this point in time. But it is something I'm going to look at. Uh, I think it's it's fair. And, you know, it, it a lot of people during the campaign were asking me to reassess. And the reason for that was, you know, their property is still being evaluated at the 50000 if we're going to use that, uh, that example. And they've got a $300,000 home. Well, what if they want to take some of the equity out of their home? Who's going to say, you know, well, you're, it's valued at fifty thousand. Yeah, how much are you going to get here? Or what if they want to sell it for four hundred thousand? And they look at the tax and say, no, it's valued taxed at fifty thousand, and you want four hundred thousand. It makes a, a tough case, uh, you know, to be able to get market share. People are, would look at that and say, mm, you know, maybe not so much. Pass it by. Do you have a timeline in, in your head for this? This is not going to happen probably. Uh, I would say it, being able to look at the numbers this year would be a real plus. Um, but I, I think it's going to take a couple of years of analyzing to really get into it and see what's the appropriate play here. And we've got great committees, uh, and we've got a lot of people who are very smart on the outside that would lend their, their thought process the, uh, the state even has a department that helps uh, work through these issues. So I'm not, you know, I'm thinking very, very small steps uh, in, in that direction, but we have to start looking at it. Uh, I think being way. cautious is the right, that's the right approach. I want to go back to homelessness. Uh, as you know, and as you mentioned in your common council meeting last night, uh, Chief Thomas published his letter mm-hmm which explained his limitations on what he can do with the homeless population and what he can't do. I thought it was a good letter. I think he got his point across. But, you know, he said in and of itself, homelessness is not a crime. Right. But what, what do you say or what would you say to people who are just uncomfortable 
in town with this issue. Because, you know, it's an aesthetic issue. It's a growing problem. It's at least it appears to be a growing problem. I can't put numbers to it, but from what I've seen, it's, it's a problem. So what do you tell people other than the, the legal stuff that right. the chief can do and can't do? You know, it, it is a problem. It's a growing problem, and it will continue unless there is some major changes in, in the, uh, the whole uh, political scene that has a, a different perspective about so many people coming into the country. Um, all of us, in, regardless of party, are not appreciating some of what we're seeing. And um, it, it is concerning. Uh, my niece at 10 years old uh, was you know, babysitting and decided to walk down to McDonald's in the middle of the well, early evening, but still dark out. And you know, when I heard that, I thought, oh my gosh, that is so dangerous. I never would have thought that growing up, right? Uh, and so some of it, we have part of the problem with uh, the homeless that we're seeing, they are being displaced by the migrants downstate. So they're being pushed out of shelters and out of areas uh, and up our way. And um, there's an encampment, about 200 of them, from what I hear, uh, you know, in Herkimer. And as soon as they do something to move them out, they move to Little Falls. And in Little Falls, if we, you know, if they trespass and we move them out, uh, property owner works with us, we move them out, they show up in Herkimer. So we just keep passing it around to the neighboring communities, right? Um, I'm working with uh, the police, <clears throat> the police chief, and we're working also with other mayors and other police chiefs to see what we can come up with. It is uncomfortable when you have people who are um, mentally ill, many of them uh, also, uh, you know, drug uh, abuse that is extreme and, uh, and often that is the same person. Um, and so you might think, well, you could have a natural conversation with them, but not so much. And so it is scary because it's the unknown. What do, you, what do we do, you know? And uh, do they have a, any, a, a weapon, a knife? What, what's their intent? And we've had issues where, you know, you'd be driving, riding your bike down uh, on, canal, on the canal there and, um, you know, getting knocked off by someone who is homeless. Uh, and, uh, you know, others where they pulled out a knife or they're you know, trying to break into your building. So we have reason to be concerned. The good thing is any of those incidents like that, if they're reported to the police, they can act on things. The problem we have is we are very compassionate people too, and we don't want to, when somebody's down on their luck, we don't want to just pile on. <clears throat> but we also want to keep and protect our quality of life. People move to Little Falls because it is the safest place on the planet, or always has been. And it's the, the quality of life we hear, have here. Kids play in the, in the parks, they play ball, they're running all over. This is fresh air and uh, just real, a lot of wholesomeness. We don't want to change that. That's why we're here. And it's worth protecting. So uh, it is one of those things that there's no easy answer. It's a complex situation. But when people trespass and uh, the property owners decide, oh, I just, just send them away, I really don't want to press charges, you're inviting them to go to your neighbor's house, essentially. And so we've got to um, 
take a strong stand as citizens, I think. And when they do, you know, commit a crime, uh, it, we, we have to go forward. We have to be able to do the paperwork and the, the kind of the, the tough side. Right, right. This, this may be a question better posed to the chief, but I'll ask you anyway. Is it true that if a property doesn't have no trespassing signs up, that you cannot uh, press criminal charges against somebody who's on your property? Is that true? You can you can press charges. Where where the signs really help is when it gets to the court. The courts are overflowing, right? And so they're looking for cases that it is really obvious that this person trespassed. They couldn't have guessed that, well, I didn't see anybody there. Nobody was there. There weren't any signs not to go into the building. Um, so it's really making the process more efficient and better. You have a better chance of um, having success if it's um, more detailed like that. So, yes, they do make a difference. So if I wake up one morning to find one of these people in my backyard, from what I understand, if I walk up to that person and say, look, I really want you to leave, and that person leaves, no, no malicious intent on that person's part, there's you can't there's no there's no violation of law in that case right? right because you basically ask them to leave it is private property and you are trespassing and they left so if they refuse to leave is where you might have the the trespassing problem especially if you have on your gates going to your backyard and things like you have the no trespassing or you know outbuildings uh, the no trespassing sign it does really help uh, to make a case but in Little Falls, New York, we don't want trust, no trespassing signs all over town. That I won't know. look right. That would be. I know. And, you know, I see them and I understand. Um, and, and I don't know what the answer is to that. You know, when um, it's not that you can't press charges uh, from what my understanding. It is it's just making it easier when you get to court. And a lot of cases get kicked because they're, you know, there's just not enough evidence uh, that they were trespassing, and your opinion that they were trespassing and their opinion might be different. Um, most of the people that we're seeing now, the homeless, uh, unlike any other time from what I hear, is that they are more inclined to live on the street, want to live on the street. They do not want help. They don't want to go to uh, the shelters. They are really, they, they have their lifestyle, and that's what, what they're sticking with. And... Um, it, to them, you know, sleeping on somebody's back in somebody's backyard on their front porch, they see nothing, you know, wrong with it. Uh, so uh, oftentimes they, they want to know, well, where would you like me to, when the police stop them and, and talk to them, where would you like me to be? Is there a park or someplace I can go? <clears throat> right? The police also are, see, uh, police officers uh, will always ask them, you know, do you, you know, want to go to a shelter? Do you need uh, help with services and things? They will drive them. They will transport them to Herkimer or to Utica. Uh, even yesterday when they were, um, we were moving trespassers off uh, one property, uh, our police officer was helping pack their cart up and, you know, make sure the covering was tight on it and bringing it up to the, the road so that it was easier for the person to, to move. So there's a lot of compassion, and we have to weigh that with what's re real. But um, has it changed our quality of life? 
uh, are concerned about walking the dog, walking down Main Street as 10-year-old. When we were kids, we walked all over Main Street, right? We never thought anything about it. Um, so it is one of those things that, um, it, in my mind, hopefully will be a temporary uh, blip uh, in uh, our lives. And we'll look back at it and say, wow, I'm glad, glad that's done, you know. But I am not uh, in the position to, um, I, I want to protect our citizens above all, okay. I, I appreciate people who want to come through to Little Falls and they want to look around and see if that might be for them. But if they're going to trash the place and they're not going to respect our quality of life and want to participate in it, then I don't think we're the right community for them. Are there any local ordinances that could be passed to deal with this in any way? There are. We are ordinances. We we have um, we have a lot of good ordinances, uh, but I think we're we're looking right now at a new one, um, actually a couple of them that I think will help. They were never written with the idea of uh, having a surge of migrants uh, or homeless coming into our city. And having to deal with that and all of the, the challenges that that would bring. And, and in years past, someone homeless would want shelter, would want someone to bring them in, give them a job. Uh, and so we have a different kind, uh, a different culture that is coming through. And it's just like if someone comes into your home and they trash the place and they're rude and uh, disrespectful and threatening to your family and friends, you don't invite them back. You know, Little Falls, we have a quality of life here, and we're not going to give it up easily. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So let's move on to, to a different topic. Talk about the 311 system okay. and what that is and how that's going to help people in Little Falls. 311 is, you know, uh, it's an app. It's a mobile app uh, that allows better communication with the city. A lot of cities have adopted this technology over the past few years. And what it does is allows you to, uh, it, it's like city hall in the palm of your hands. You can, you have all the phone numbers, you have maps, you have anything you would want for different departments. But the important thing is people call city hall all the time and they have, maybe it's a pothole, maybe the plow didn't come down the street correctly or, or whatever it happens to be. Maybe the garbage didn't get completely picked up you know, little little issues like that. And oftentimes they'll tell me that they just never heard back, that uh, it was usually fixed, but they just never heard. You know, that the communication gets, um, uh, in any organization, it goes from one place to another and then it's passed on and the, the guy who cited the complaint to begin with never hears back as to what the resolution was. So... It's one of those apps that people really like because uh, it is not a 911 app. You wouldn't call it if you have uh, an emergency, you would call 911. But if you uh, have any of the other things that you want to talk about, it could be that you have, you've spotted someone trespassing or you see uh, something that's concerning. In, in the app, you basically f uh, file your complaint, you've, you know, fill out the information, it comes into City Hall and goes to however we have designated that the algorithms to and configured it to be assigned to. So if it is plowing, then it would go to DPW. It would also go 
to uh, other people. It would be, it, it might start out as, you know, a DPW at a lower level, somebody who could just respond quickly. If it's more complex, then it would go to uh, John Sullivan, who is the uh, supervisor there. And it would also maybe copy me in, maybe copy Chet Zemanski, who uh, works closely with DPW. So anybody depending on the, the call. So think of it as a help desk. If you have um, a complaint about your software and you go to the help desk and you tell them what your, your problem is, right? And initially, you probably get a whole lot of just, does this, does this work? Or you read this column, does this help you? And obviously, it doesn't. So we're not going to do that. But it, you will eventually meet a person or someone to chat with. This is the same kind of escalation of problem, right? So you start out at one level, and it moves to the next. And the whole time that it's moving from one level to the next, you're getting a response back on your cell phone a notification that says it's been received, they're working on it, and then it, if it moves up to the next level, it, the next person is a response. When it's resolved, it's a, a response. So keeping you in the loop the whole time. Right. So when, when somebody goes on their app on their phone, I assume they have to have a phone to do this, right? Um, they don't initially get a person. Is it a recording or do they get a representative? No. No, it, it would be all automated. And so it would go uh, through text, uh, it would be my uh, understanding, uh, through the system, and it would show up on their phone. So if you've got somebody in DPW that is responsible for uh, handling those calls, it would pop up on their cell phone that the person uh, is, uh, has a complaint or has a concern. Okay, is there a way for people who don't have smartphones to, to place a, call, to place a, a complaint? It's my understanding that it, there is a web-based um, application, so you could do it from the website, um, the Little Falls website. <clears throat> so this is, uh, you know, iOS and, and Android uh, mobile phone apps, but you also can do it from the website. So it sounds like this will take some heat off 911 in Herkimer. Yes. I would think. Um, and it makes us better organized. You know, things get lost, a little pieces of paper here or there that there's a note on it, go check with so-and-so, this is going on. We actually will have a record of it and the data analytics that go with it. Right, the documentation's really good. Mm -hmm. there, there'll be follow-up. What about the crank, the crank uh, complaints and people goofing around and even kids, uh, you, you know? Yeah. I assume anybody can get the app. Yes. Just download it and away you go. Yeah. Believe it or not, Little Falls is a small city, um, and there are people who just enjoy, you know, poking the bear all the time, right? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, we they're pretty much known, um, but I don't think you would ever erase that. You still get that with phone calls. You get a lot of things, but there is that right. potential. But the thing of it is we have a record. So if someone calls in, um, you know, uh, at 590 Garden Street all the time, we have a record of everything that they called about previously. So, you know, we can refer back and, and identify pretty quickly if somebody is just uh, playing around or somebody is serious. So what will this cost the city to put into place? <clears throat> this is a, a more of a service agreement on, on an annual basis. 
and it's a nominal fee. It, you choose which modules you want. They have modules for notifications. They have modules for codes enforcement, which would be really interesting. And it all adds up. It uh, usually starts anywhere around uh, four or five thousand, and then it goes up from there. So it's not an it's not a pricey thing as uh, you know one might think. Uh, the whole website uh, and everything that we've been doing so far uh, with the new website and the functionality has been volunteered and uh, given to the city at no cost. Uh, so we work with whatever we can that doesn't cost a dime, but there are some things that uh, cost a little. Um, and I think the engagement with the citizens with this app uh, will be, they'll love it. Uh, because it does give quick response. At least you know what's going on um, you, all the time. And from, um, you know, from an operational perspective, I can spot map out trends, different things that are happening. <clears throat> Maybe we've got um, you know, a, a run on potholes <laughs> in one area of town. What can we do to make that a priority? Because we're getting lots of calls about it. Uh, could be anything, right? Um, or we're seeing things that look dangerous to them. Uh, let's go in and, and take a look at it. So uh, that I think spotting the trends will make a difference too. Moving on to Main Street, and this is just my observation. I don't, I can't quantify this. It's just my observation. I walk a lot around the city. It seems like oh, five, six years ago, business activity storefronts were more occupied back then sort of on the upswing, and it kind of plateaued. Mm -hmm. And after COVID, it seems like it's gone down. There are probably more empty storefronts on Main Street now than there were five, six years ago, I think. Do you have a plan to revitalize Main Street and attract more business? Oh, yeah. Can I hear about that? <laughs> Let's hear about that. You know, it's funny. In the, in the past, where our policies have been just to wait and, and magic will show up one day. Um, I have a different perspective. I think it is a matter of proactively going after businesses that you think will fit in our mix. And I think Main Street is a perfect place for uh, restaurants, perfect place for entertainment. It really works well there. And uh, the small shops that grow up as a result of that kind of traffic uh, is, is wonderful. But I think you have to get some... Uh, Anchor tenants, just like if you were you had a shopping mall, what do you do? You bring in your big tenants first, the ones that you know will attract a lot of traffic. So we have an ongoing um, uh, uh, initiative uh, with both a, a mix of uh, private and public uh, individuals who are working on ideas like that. And economic development, um, you know, you know, Dave. My husband, <laughs> my little falls, Dave, and uh, and I have been working on economic development for a long time. Very passionate about it, and Main Street has our attention. So uh, you're right. Uh, uh, COVID, we lost a lot of businesses from COVID. Um, businesses that we should never have lost. You know, uh, after COVID, we got a little bit of an uptick, tick, and then it dropped again. We have to, for businesses to come into our area. We have to have uh, a, a good amount or those that are very attractive because we don't want to bring somebody in and not they not be able to make it on the street traffic. We also have to be able to promote the city, promote what we have, and bring more people in. 
um, because there's nothing, you know, uh, we want downtown to be a thriving place that everybody uh, really makes some good money and it keeps the, the downtown area vibrant. And that takes also um, working with the retailers. And I've been up and down the street talking to the businesses and they're a wealth of knowledge as far as what would work. And most of them are looking, not most, but a, a good portion of them are looking at, you know, if I could get the traffic up a little bit here, I, you know, I would expand. I'm looking at some of the buildings here too. A uh, couple of them have already invested uh, in other buildings down on Main Street, looking at expansion plans. So it's very good. So that helps with it to leverage that story with others who might be looking at moving in. But it's a very proactive, you have to work it. You have to go out to the other communities. You have to see things that work for, for them and those who might have an interest in moving to our city. As you were talking to these business owners, did you get a feel for how they, what their opinion is of the new canopy that's going to be built? You know, it's funny. Some... You know, the canopy is one of those things. A lot of them don't want it. Uh, there are others that are really, they love it. Uh, but um, it's kind of a mixed bag. But I would say that a lot of them have shared that they, you know, it, it does nothing for them. They could care less about it. Going back to the old facades where they had the roll-out canopies and things like that, I know uh, Cooperstown does that. Uh, it really looks nice. So I think there are other options on the canopies. The the reason the change in the canopies and the repair of the canopies went through the DRI process, and that is one of the, the grants that was awarded, is that we were looking at those canopies being so old that they really need to be repaired, right? But also looking at the opportunity to uh, provide fire exits for um, building owners. So if they wanted to expand their upper floors, they would have the confidence that they'd be able to uh, get, you know, the safety concerns addressed uh, when we did those uh, additional canopies. So um, that's kind of up in the air. We'll see what happens with that uh, as the final plans start uh, shaking out. But um, I'd say it's a mixed bag. I, I would say that of the people I've talked to, probably 60% don't care if they have it uh, at all. Uh, and then there are others that love it. But certainly... Uh, it, in my opinion, if we're going to do canopies, we need to have them uh, historically um, correct and look like they belong to a turn-of-the-century uh, building. Uh, you know, anything contemporary, anything, um, the ones that we have right now, to me, are not very attractive. And uh, the initial drawing that I saw um, long ago was not very attractive. Uh, of course, in my mind, I have New Orleans you know, and the wrought iron canopies and the beautiful stepping out where they have restaurants up on the upper floors and they sit there and have a glass of wine and look over the community. And uh, those upper floors, they have such incredible views. And even in our early uh, zoning codes, the blocking the upper floors from the river was a, a no-no. That was one of the things not allowed. Uh, so you couldn't go up too high on the other side of the street to block the views. So the design of the canopy is still a work in progress. Is that what you're saying? In my opinion, yes. I don't think, uh, you know, what, what happens is we, when we send in the, the DRI projects, the next step is they are analyzed, and uh, it's a, a long process. And you go back to drawing, and you get the final plans and all of that. And so there's a lot of time 
to really review the canopies, um, just like diagonal parking and some of the other things we were uh, looking at. Um, there have been people who like it. Some people don't like it at all and uh, have some real concerns. So we need to, to look at those things as we go forward. Um, we're not quite there yet. Very, very early stages of Main Street. Yeah, it's really a five-year process. Things move. We're finding this out at the at our public library that the process is rather slow. It is. And there's opportunity here and there but to very tweak them. to do. Yeah, to, to make it even better than what we initially thought. So do you have anything else that you'd like the public to know about you and what you're doing? And I know last night you mentioned that your first 30 days were a whirlwind. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> first, uh, the first week was kind of crazy, even, you know. Um, my first week I had a, a snow, snow ban, you know, the parking ban. And all that always brings out lots of um, debate uh, over what is meant, right? So went through that. And then, um, you know, had a strange uh, stalker incident and then uh, locked myself in the ladies' room, which, you know, <laughs> for the first week I figured, you know, it doesn't get any better, right? Um, and then, you know, we've had all kinds of crazy things going on, uh, you know, recently. Uh, but overall, I think it has been just a really good experience and I see progress happening every single day. And uh, it's, you know, that's what drives me. And uh, it really makes it worthwhile where you get up in the morning, you can't wait to get in there. And I understand a local volunteer uh, renovated your office and it's a little more comfortable than it was before? It's, it's very nice. This local volunteer, I'm indebted to him. He does many, many things that go beyond the household honeydew list. Uh, but yes, it is very comfortable and, uh, you know, made a big difference. And we've cleaned up a lot in, in City Hall. We've moved boxes that were in the hallways for five years and we've you know, we're really cleaning up everything, not just outside City Hall, but inside City Hall. So when people come in, they feel welcome. They feel that there's a breath, a breath of fresh air and, and uh, you know, things are moving and changing and very positive. I think City Hall will be a good topic for a future discussion. City Hall is a big topic. I would love to get that back into uh, a grant. It was one that did not make it in the final cut. Uh, but I did have it in there. We, uh, it is an icon in Main Street. There's no question about it. It's such a beautiful building, um, but it does need repairs. And we've got to start at some point. So I would welcome the conversation. So this was good for our first <laughs> try, and I'm, I'm glad you did this. I know, I know you're busy, and I appreciate you taking the time, and I hope you'll come back for another Absolutely. Visit. I love it. I, you know, I... I really enjoyed uh, getting out uh, when I was campaigning and, and meeting people and talking to them. And, you know, the dialogues that we started, uh, I feel like we need to continue. You know, there's so much that we're working on. And I love the input from people and people who call me and, and uh, send me notes. Um, it, it's That's what it's all about. Uh, and uh, I, I want City Hall and what, what I'm doing to be uh, situations very approachable for everyone. Well, I think this is a good mechanism, a good way for you to get your message out, mm -hmm. talk about issues and problems, whether they're good or bad. The public has a right to know. So that's sure. one of the reasons I'm doing this. So I appreciate you doing this. And uh, I guess it's we'll, my pleasure. We'll, we'll, we'll schedule another visit and we'll wrap it up right there. Thank okay. you. Thank you Sounds very much. great. Okay.